Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Hallelujah. You know, I was just thinking about the sacrifice he gave, and uh, then all God asked us back, or at least one of them, is a sacrifice of praise. He gave us a living person, and he asked us to give back some living praise. You know, the psalmist said the dead can't praise him. But God is looking for a people that in and on this earth will praise the worthy King, Jesus Christ. Well, I want to read two passages of Scripture up front this morning. The first being Hebrews chapter 6. They're both found in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning with verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. The next one's found in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want to preach a message today titled Anchor Stones. Will you say that with me? Anchor stones. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that through Jesus we have access to your resources, to your grace, to your mercy, to your forgiveness, to your newness of life, to your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you would find us in a posture of gratitude that we would relish in the great opportunity you've given us to draw near to you and you've promised to draw near to us. So Lord, I pray for any person in here that, Lord, during the time we've had and singing and lifting our voice to you, if they've not purposed to draw near to you, that even now they would prepare their hearts. They would purpose to draw near to you. And Lord, we would encounter you that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you've been here the previous weeks, we are in a series in the month of February dealing with the topic, the theme of relationships. Uh, If you've not been here, that's okay. But we are looking in the month of February on relationships 
ships. Now, I want us to think about that word for a moment. When you think of the word relationships, there's two English words that make up that word. There is relation, and then there is ship. When you think about a ship, a ship is a means of transportation. It's a means of moving forward. And when you think about a relationship, you need to understand that relationships are means of transportation. Whether you've ever realized this or not, every relationship in your life is transporting you somewhere. Hopefully, the relationships in your life are causing you to move forward. Forward in the plan of God. Forward in the purpose of God. Forward in the understanding of God. The goal is that relationships in our life don't transport us backwards. That they're not causing us to move backward in the things of God. In the call of God. In the purpose of God. Sometimes maybe our relationships are going a little sideways. It's in a time of uncertainty. You know, sort of like the stock market. When it's not going up and it's not going down because everybody's uncertain, it's just going sideways. It's sort of bouncing sideways, waiting. But those who are familiar with ships, those that are familiar with nautical realities of sailing and ships and vessels, they understand the importance and the use well, this is heavier than I thought. I thought it was plastic. I hadn't, I hadn't handled it yet. And it ain't plastic. Going to get me a good workout in the name of the Lord. That's... But those familiar with ships and nautical themes, they're, they understand the importance of an anchor. How an anchor is connected to the mission of the ship. It's connected to the purpose of the ship. It's connected to the movement of the ship. The question we need to ask up front today is what is an anchor? What is an anchor by definition? If you look it up, dictionary.com defines it as any of various devices dropped by a chain, cable, or rope to the bottom of a body of water for preventing or restricting the motion of a vessel or other floating Objects. But the definition continues. It's also any similar device for holding fast or checking motion. It gives the example as an anchor of stones. Any device for securing a suspension or bridge at either end. Any of various devices as a metal tie for binding one part of a structure to another. And then lastly, watch this, a person or thing that can be relied on for support, stability, or security. This brings us back to our first of our main texts, Hebrews 6 and 9. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Notice the writer of Hebrews says, this hope. 
What hope is he referring to? He's referring to Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Jesus Christ, the one who has been vindicated. The one whose teachings have been sealed with the witness of God. Because in his resurrection, he was vindicated. He was approved. And the writer of Hebrews says that the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He is this hope that we have. And notice, this hope, Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, is an anchor of the soul. Now if you're not familiar with how God created mankind, how God created you, you are spirit. The core of your nature is spirit because God is spirit. Then He fashioned our body with the elements of of the earth. And then we became a living soul, a living human. And notice that this hope, Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, is an anchor of our soul. Which begs the question, why does our soul need an anchor? Why does our mind need an anchor? Why does our emotions need an anchor? Why does our desires and will need an anchor? The reason our soul needs an anchor is because our emotions are like the waves of a sea. They're in constant flux. Our soul needs an anchor because our emotions are like the wind of the sea. Our emotions are not steady. They're not consistent. They're not dependable. As the joke said, we don't have currently any in our congregation, but I welcome them to come from the entire region. Just come. But meteorologists or weather women or weather men... The one job you can get wrong like 95% of the time and still have a job. It's a job of just mere speculation. Even our own Pastor Craig tried to be one many weeks ago when he was forecasting weeks out in advance the satellites of us getting major snow. He set me up. He became a stumbling block. He He tried to make me bitter and angry. Because I only had white show up where we live like the dandruff off someone's head. Wasn't even close to an inch, much less 10 or 18 or 2 feet. But our soul needs an anchor because our emotions are not dependable. The world around us has constant changing standards. The world around us has constant blowing opinions. There's winds of opinions from every direction, from every side. There's inconsistencies in the culture around us. There are inconsistencies on what are standards of judgment and and righteousness and ethics and justice. Also, our soul needs an anchor because of the devil, the deceiver who's working in the world around us, the enemy of our soul, who works through attacking the soul by suggesting and providing thoughts, imaginations, pictures of the future He would like for you. He, through suggestions and temptations, can 
manipulate and create emotions that seem real, that seem like your desires, that seem like the way you want to go. So the writer of Hebrews says, we have this hope. Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, and He is an anchor. He's an anchor provided by the perfect heavenly Father for our emotions and for our mind and for our will. But notice also that this anchor, it enters behind the veil. The writer of Hebrews says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Behind the veil is a reference to God the Father's presence. How Jesus is said by the writer of Hebrews that to be a forerunner, that He has went before us into the Father's presence. But notice Jesus is a forward anchor. Jesus went before us. He, he went before us to pull us forward towards the Father. To pull us forward towards the presence of God. To pull us forward in the purpose of God. Now though the writer of Hebrews in context is specifically referring to the Father's presence, we need to understand that in application, it can apply to you and I today that Jesus is a forward anchor. Meaning, Jesus is a forward anchor to move us beyond what is currently veiled before us. Some of you have questions. Some of you have things that hinder your vision. Some of you have questions or doubts or not a sense of clarity on what God is doing or how God's going to do it. And notice that God has provided an anchor behind the current veil. He's provided an anchor that has went beyond your current lack of understanding. That Jesus Christ is an anchor that pulls us forward beyond the cloudiness of the moment, beyond the lack of understanding or spiritual revelation of the moment. Jesus pulls us forward. And that's why we are exhorted to walk by faith. To walk by faith that Jesus went before us and that though you might not have all of the questions answered or maybe you don't have complete clear understanding, we have an anchor of our soul that pulls us forward beyond the veil, beyond what currently we don't have clarity about. So I want to ask us two questions at this point in the message. How are you allowing the Holy Spirit to move you forward toward your anchor, Jesus Christ, who is already beyond what you are facing? You need to understand that the writer of Hebrews is saying that the reason the living King Jesus infuses hope into our soul is that He's already beyond what you're facing. He's already beyond the trial that you're in. He's already beyond the season that you're in. He's already beyond the valley that you found yourself in. He's already beyond what you're currently facing. Secondly, how are you maintaining your vision on Jesus Christ? your anchor despite any current veils hindering your understanding and sight. How are you maintaining? It's one thing to have an intention. It's one thing to have a goal. It's one thing to have a desire. It's a whole other level of learning to trust the Holy Spirit to maintain that intent. To maintain moving forward towards that goal. It is February by the way. 
This is the time where people who made intentions or made goals in February or the new year, they're falling by the wayside. And we as followers of Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, but we have a anchor for our soul, a living Lord who can pull us forward past the confusion, past the inconsistencies, past the instabilities. So now that we've talked about an anchor, let me talk about anchor stones for a moment. you got to understand that the days we live in is not always the days as they were on the earth. That the steel industry that we have now did not always exist. And so though anchors have been around for thousands and thousands of years, they used to look different. That it wasn't anchors that necessarily looked like this or were made like this, that before there were anchor stones. In fact, I believe they have a picture that they'll put up. These are pictures of anchor stones. These were actually found off the coast of Israel. This is within the text of biblical archaeology and the the text of the times of Jesus and even before Jesus. These are anchor stones. And notice they would take a very large and weighty stone and they would carve a hole through it and they would then tie something through that and it would become an anchor stone. This brings us to our second main text this morning. 1 Peter 2 and verse 4. It says, Coming to Him, Him being Jesus, as to a living stone, Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Ain't that encouraging? That you can be, things can be rejected by men and women of this world and yet still be precious to God. And the text says, coming to Him as to a living stone. Christ is the living stone. Christ is the living anchor stone. The writer of Hebrews says that the risen Lord is an anchor for the soul and here the apostle Peter says we come to Him as a living stone. Jesus Christ is a living anchor stone. He's not just an anchor stone that has a lack of ability to speak or to move or to comfort. No, no, we have a living anchor stone. And you know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are in Him, and He is in us. And that's why the Apostle Peter, in the very next verse, 1 Peter 2.5 says this, You also, you also, you a follower of Jesus, You born again, regenerated, reconciled to God your creator through your trust in Jesus Christ, then you also, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That followers of Jesus Christ, we are also living anchor stones. 
See, as Christ, the living stone, becomes an anchor within us, we become living anchors to those outside of us who we are in relationship with. The more that Christ gets formed in our soul and and the living anchor stone Christ gets formed within us, then the more we become a living anchor as we relate and do life with those around us. Let me talk now for a moment about relationships as anchor stones. In Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, Paul writes this circular letter. It was a letter that was to be circulated in the churches there in the region. And he says, let no one cheat you of your reward. Taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. Intruding into those things which he has not seen. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Verse 19 of Colossians 2. And not holding fast. Someone say holding fast. And not holding fast to the head. From whom all the body nourished and knit together. By joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. I don't know if you see it yet. But here Paul says holding fast. That was one of the definitions of the anchor. That when we looked at the definition of the anchor, it was any similar device for holding fast. And here Paul says to the believers that we got to hold fast to the head. Who's the head? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the living anchor stone that you and I need to hold fast to the living anchor stone that God the Father has provided for you and I. We live in a time where not all are holding fast to the head. We live in a time where people are more vulnerable, whether they attend the gathering or claim to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus, to hold fast to their own opinions, hold fast to their own upbringing. Paul says, no, hold fast to the head. Hold fast to the living anchor stone. Now when you think about a head, some of our heads are bigger than others, but that's not the point. But when you think about a head, what's on our head? The mouth. And when you practically work out what holding fast to the head Jesus Christ looks like, it practically looks like you and I holding fast to His spoken word holding fast to what the Lord has spoken to you in this season, holding fast to you, holding fast to what the Lord spoke to you when He led you to this church, holding fast to what the Lord spoke to you two years ago about what He's preparing you for in His kingdom assignment in the days ahead. You have to hold fast practically to the words that the living anchor stone Jesus has spoken into your life. Practically it also looks like Holding fast to His preserved Word. Holding fast to the Scriptures. Not neglecting the Word of God. Not neglecting engaging in God with God through the Scriptures. A lot of people like the idea, like to believe that they're holding fast to the head. And yet they're not holding fast to what He has spoken to them. They're not holding fast to His revealed, written Word. It's a deception, friend. 
That if you think you're holding fast to the living anchor stone for your soul, but you're not holding fast to the words that have came out of his mouth, to his teachings. Jesus said that the goal for you and I is not just to be that we're not ashamed of the name of Jesus, but that we're also not ashamed of his words. Pastor Craig mentioned at the offering about the parables. His teaching on money. His teaching on hell. His teaching on the kingdom of God. That we're not ashamed of not just that name, that wonderful, beautiful name, but we're also not ashamed of His words. When you think about a head, also what's on the head is not just the mouth, but the eyes. The eyes of the Lord represents the judgment of the Lord. His his judgment of what is right and wrong. His eyes also represents the vision for your life. To hold fast to the head practically means that you hold fast to His judgments. You hold fast to His vision and purpose for your life. The scripture when it talks about the resurrected king, it says upon his head are many crowns. One of the things the crown represents on Jesus' head is his wisdom. To hold fast practically day to day in, in each and every season, to hold fast to the head means also to hold fast to his wisdom, to his ways. But it continues. Because Paul says that practically to hold fast to the head, Jesus Christ, also means to hold fast to his body. We live in a day and age where many people believe that they're holding fast to the living anchor stone, and yet they're not holding fast practically and engaging his body in a local church. And they're deceived. They're deceived. Paul says very clearly in verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments. Notice the head nourishes the body through joints and ligaments. The head doesn't nourish the body just by the head. He nourishes through joints and ligaments, spiritual leadership, mature believers within the body. So practically when we talk about holding fast to the head, to hold fast to the head is to hold fast to his body. This is why the writer of Hebrews said, not forsaking the assembling, the gathering of yourself with one another. To hold fast to the head practically also means to hold fast to His kingdom assignment for you. It's like what Jesus said, to not look back and don't let go of the plow once you know where the Lord's called you to plow in His kingdom. To hold fast to the head is to hold fast to the assignment He has for you. His purpose He's gifted you for in His kingdom. Paul continues on. He says there in Colossians 2, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. Watch this. Intruding into. He's talking about the motion of the believer. And he's warning that we wouldn't intrude into these type of things. Vainly puffed up from someone's fleshly mind of false humility. This reminds me of the definition that we saw of the anchor. Any similar device for holding fast, watch this, or checking motion. Checking motion. Paul here is checking the motion of the believers. If they are moving or intruding into things that they should not. Vain imaginations. 
false teachings and false doctrines. Here he mentions the worship of angels. We live in a time where a lot of people like spirituality. They just don't like actual biblical spirituality. They like spirituality. They just don't like the actual teachings of Jesus. And here Paul's checking motion. I think of a story in Acts 27. Because we all at times, we need some living anchor stones in our life that check the motion of our life. Are we moving forward in the things of God? Are are we moving backwards? Are we stagnant? Are we moving into, intruding into things that would not practically lead to us holding fast to the head, Jesus Christ? Meaning we need living anchor stones that are like a sounding board to us. that, That provide back to us how we're doing. That check in with us regarding our motion. Regarding our the practicality of our faith. You know, it's one thing for me to say I have faith. It's a whole other thing for someone to check in on the practicality of my faith. How am I practically trusting Jesus day to day? How am I practically trusting Jesus in these areas of my life? In Acts 27 and verse 27 we read, it says, Now when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, About midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings, notice that, and found it to be 20 fathoms. When they had gone a little further, they took soundings again, notice that, and found it to be 15 fathoms. Verse 29 of Acts 27. Then, fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Can I tell you that God's given us four anchors to drop? Four anchors to drop when you feel like you're being driven by the winds of doctrine or the changing waves of emotions or the culture around you. God has given us four anchors to drop. It's the strategy of this movement. It's the strategy of this church that when you feel driven, when you feel like you have been lost, when you feel like you're off course, when there have been such a veil of storms and cloudy wind and waves and rain in front of you and you feel like you've lost the vision for tomorrow and the vision of God for your future, God's given us four anchors to ground us, to check our motion and they are gathering and they are growing and they are grouping and they are expressing giving and gifting teams. That when you're in a storm, in a storm of life, you have to realize God's given an anchor called gathering and assembling with other brothers and sisters. When you're in a storm of life, you got to understand that growth phases provides an anchor to keep you in the pattern of sound teaching, to keep you remembering the grace of God and the work that God's accomplished through the finished work of Jesus. That when you're in a major storm, being in a connect group and grouping is an anchor to ground you, to guard you. That when you're in a storm, to continue to give and use your spiritual gifts and to serve grounds you. And notice it says, then they prayed. I want to tell you that the effectiveness of our gathering, the effectiveness of our growing, the effectiveness of our grouping, the effectiveness of our giving and gifting teams are fueled by prayer. They're fueled by prayer. 
That's why we have all night prayer. That's why we have a connect group that prays. That's why we got intercession team that prays. That's why we encourage you consistently to get a prayer life. They're fueled by prayer. But notice it says they took soundings. And this is what living anchor stones, the right relationships in your life will do. They'll take soundings from you. They'll take soundings to to really get the, the heart of are you just complaining or are you just honestly needing to share and be transparent? There's a difference. We need to have living anchor stones where we can express the emotions we're feeling, the temptations that's pulling on our soul, the winds and the pull and the attacks of the enemy. But we need a living anchor stone. We need relationships that actually take sounding that are we just wanting to express our feelings but not get to the solution? Because Proverbs says a fool vents all their feelings. But in just the venting, they find satisfaction. What I'm trying to say is I want us to be a group of people that ain't satisfied just to be able to vent our feelings and vent our emotions, but we're only satisfied when we're able to move beyond what we're feeling and move forward in the things of God and move forward in the plan of God and move forward in the will of God. But we need some living anchor stones around us that can take soundings of our faith The psalmist would always acknowledge their feelings and their trials and their seasons and what they're going through. But there would come a moment where they would use a powerful three-letter word, but. you got to get to the place where but with God, but Jesus Christ, but because of the blood, but because of the promises of God, but because of the anointing of God, but because of the favor of God, I don't have to stay here. Notice Paul then says at the end of Colossians 2 there in verse 19, he says, then it grows with the increase that is from God. Can I tell us today that there is an increase from God? That God has an increase? That there's an increase that comes from God? That God has an increase for our life? He has an increase for our stability. He has an increase for His plan and the increase of His government and His rule in His life. He has an increase for this church. Hallelujah. There's an increase that comes from God. Then Paul says within this text, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments. Do you see it? Another aspect of the definition of an anchor. Binding one part of a structure to another. Binding one part of a structure to another. Paul says... That holding fast to the head practically looks like holding fast to the body. It practically looks like the expression of spiritual leadership of ligaments and joints. And that in this there is a nourishment. That in the binding in the right relationships one to another, that nourishment is the result. When you think about relationships, you think about marriage. And that's why from the eyes of God, marriage is a covenant. It is an anchoring, a binding of one person to another. And in that binding, the goal is that there would be mutual nourishment. When you 
are single and you're thinking about being married, you need to understand that it is a binding of two people. And before you enter into that, you need to understand, are you anchored correctly with this person? Are you anchored correctly spiritually? Are you anchored correctly emotionally? Are you anchored? You don't normally have to check this one because this is the one that normally gets us in trouble or gets us together. Are you anchored physically by being attracted to them? But are you anchored with financial compatibility, spiritual compatibility, emotional compatibility? When you think about relationships and the binding of one to another, you also got to think about friendships and who you fellowship with. Because a friendship is a binding. It's an agreement. And in that binding, we should make sure we have the same values. We, we have the same practices and habits that we want in life. For some of you, you lead businesses or God's called you to start a business. When you think about that you, and you think about partnerships and business transactions and deals, you need to understand... It is a binding of agreement. And you need to make sure you're coming into a relationship with someone in the business world where they think about mutual benefit, where it's a win-win, where they're not seeking just to use your gift or use your talent for their own good, but it's a win-win, it's a mutual benefit. Then the last part of our definition was a person or thing that can be relied on for support and stability. Paul talks about these joints and ligaments. Joints and ligaments, that's what support the muscles and the members of your body in that area of the body. Your joints and ligaments support the muscles and the tendons in that area of the body. And notice... The joints and the ligaments, these relationships that can be relied on for support and stability, the goal is encouragement. That through these relationships, you're infused with encouragement to, to move forward in this season, even though it's difficult. To not get stuck in the desert, to not get stuck in the dry seasons of God, to not get stuck in the burial places, but to move forward towards the the land of fulfillment of God's high calling in your life. Jesus, the anchor behind the veil, would not have placed us in His body if we did not need His work in and through other living stones. We need other living anchor stones. We need to relate to other brothers and sisters that through them God infuses us with encouragement that today's the day of salvation then God's bigger than this season. He's bigger than your past. That reminds you of what God has spoken to you. That reminds you of what you have told them about God's promises for your life and plans for your future. See, listen, God's intention for every one of us, God's intention for you is to have the right relationships that are the right anchor stones for your life. The right relationships that are the right anchor stones that help you hold fast to Jesus Christ. That help constantly check the motion of your life. That take soundings of your faith and 
and a heart checkup that reminds you to continue to enter in and bind yourself to the right agreements and the right relationships and the right contracts. Living anchor stones that you can rely on for support. For stability. That are dependable. See, when you think about anchors, anchors are good to keep you from crashing. When you think about anchors, anchors are good to keep you from becoming shipwrecked. When you think about anchors, anchors are good to keep you from getting stuck. When you think about anchors, anchors are good to keep you from being driven by your emotions, temporary storms, and winds of culture. When you think about anchors, anchors are good to keep you from destructive decisions and going in the wrong direction. And when I think of God's plan for dwelling place Woodstock, I envision a community. I envision your life so anchored to other living anchor stones that you would currently have to cut off your entire life to crash and to fall from God's will and God's grace. When I think of your life, I pray, and when I think of this church, I envision a group of people that is so anchored in relationships with other living anchor stones that in order for them to crash and to fall from God's will, they literally would have to cut everything of their entire life out that you would make your life so much easier to follow the Lord by being so deeply connected to other living anchor stones. Or you would make your life so, so difficult from falling, from going back to where you came from by getting so connected to other living anchor stones that you would have the right living anchor stones in your family. That you would have the right living anchor stones in your friendships. That you would find the right living anchor stones for you here in this local church. That you would have the right living anchor stone of being in a connect group. Of going through growth phases. That at work you would have the right living anchor stones that encourage you in your work. And you'd stay away from the negative the complaining, those that slander the boss and dishonor leadership, that you would be so rightly anchored outside of you that literally your whole entire life you would have to let go of in order to move away from the call of God, your relationship with Jesus Christ and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So let me talk now for a moment about relationships as anchors that hold you back. See, anchors are not good if they keep you from moving forward in accordance with the wind of God's Spirit. And there are some relationships that are a negative anchor. They're an anchor that holds you back. They're the wrong kind of anchors. And when it comes to these types, You got to learn. You got to learn to cut them and let them go. 
If it's a relationship, even if it's a family member, someone you care deeply about, but they're holding you back from moving forward in the plan of God and following Jesus and sweet fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus asks us, He says, Do you love me even more than family? Maybe it's people you grew up with. A lot of us, we don't deal with that temptation because here in the Atlanta community, a lot of us have been, you know, transported in. We've moved into the area. We didn't, you know, grow up here. But maybe some of you did. And you got friends and people you grew up with and they see more of the old you than the new person God's called you to be in Christ. And they're holding you back from believing and trusting the Lord, moving forward, God's prophetic purpose for your life, and you got to get out and you got to cut those relationships that are holding back. you got to cut them like a rope because when it comes to God's purpose, when it comes to God's plan, they're like a negative soul tie. They're, they're not propelling you and your soul to move forward towards the living anchor, Jesus Christ. No, they're pulling on your soul, pulling on your memory, pulling on your emotions, pulling on your will and mind to move backwards in the things of God. To, to become complacent, to try to talk you down. It's okay to love Jesus, but don't get too excited for Jesus. It's okay that you're a follower of Jesus. now. Just don't get too passionate. Don't just talk about Him all the time. No, no, no. You got to get out the scissors and you got to cut loose some of those ungodly, holding back anchors. Now listen, when you cut such ties, it's not that you've made them your enemy. Just because I've let go of relationships don't mean that I hate or I'm an enemy of those relationships let go. It just meant that I more strongly desire the Father's will and what He's called me to than that. It's more of a reflection of where I'm going than it is necessarily of the person. When you think about cutting off these wrong relationships and anchors that hold you back, I think about Samson. In Judges 15 and verse 13, you read a story in the life of Samson and it says, So they spoke to him, saying, No, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand, but we will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes. Everybody say ropes. And brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him and then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire and his bonds broke loose from his hands. Notice Samson was tied up with some new ropes and the ropes, what did it do? It brought him up from the rock. Listen. When God wants to bless you, He'll send new people into your life to bless you. 
But you got to understand when the devil wants to hold you back and get you cursed, he'll send the wrong people into your life. And that's why you got to understand what we're talking about today of living anchor stones or anchors. Are they actually living anchor stones that propel you to move forward towards your ultimate living anchor, Jesus Christ? Or are they the kind that hold you back? Because here, Samson had some new ropes, but the ropes were, watch this, removing him up from the rock. The rock is Jesus Christ. These new ropes were leading him away from where he needed to stay grounded in, where he needed to build his life upon. The solid rock of God. And any time a new relationship or things are trying to bring us from the rock, you need to get out the scissors. And you need to, by the power of God's comforting presence of the Holy Spirit do. And it says here that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the ropes of his arm came off. And the bonds broke loose from his hands. You know what happens when you're willing to get out the scissors of God and start cutting the wrong anchors from your life? You know what's happening? The Word of the Lord is prevailing mightily in your life. It means that your devotion to the unseen one is greater than your devotion to seen relationships if they're holding you back from the plan and purpose of God. But the story for Samson doesn't end there. In Judges 16 and verse 4, it says, Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him. Watch this that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. See, when the enemy wants to hold you back, when the enemy wants to get you in a place where curses that seek to empower you into dysfunction and failure, he'll send the wrong relationships into your life. And those relationships are like Delilah. There's one purpose. They're sent to bind you and to afflict you, to distract you and to hold you back. And you got to get out the Holy Spirit scissors and you got to be willing to cut those relationships loose. I think about Saul and David. Saul was the king. David went from the fields of tending his father's sheep into the king's palace to minister to Saul as he played on the harp. Saul was tormented and afflicted. But it was a relationship that was one-sided because all the Sauls in our life, all they seek to do is take. All they seek to do is to use us for their glory and benefit. And it says in 1 Samuel 19.10, Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear. But he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. Watch this. So David went back to Saul? No. So David fled and escaped that night. David had to cut that relationship with Saul. Meaning, some of you think that loving God necessitates that you stay connected to people that only want your harm, that only want to hold you back. 
that only want to see you fail. No, no, no. Like David, you need to understand at times, it's time to flee. I'm fleeing that context that's trying to hold me back. I'm fleeing that relationship that's only trying to use me for their benefit and their glory. David escaped and it's okay to escape. You say, I need more, okay. What about Jesus with his disciples? Jesus sends them out, right? He raises them up. He raises up the 12 and then the 70. He sends them out two by two, but he tells them in Matthew 10, 23 that when they persecute you in this city, he didn't say stay there and just get persecuted and be where you're not celebrated and where the message I put in your heart is not welcome. No, no, no. He said, when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. There's some towns, towns you grew up in. There's some context. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a place where, you know, you have done more and did so much to make that that business successful, and yet you're not being honoring Honored, maybe the Lord's saying, look, I got a new context that will honor your integrity, that will honor your diligence, that will honor what you do. And you got to be willing to cut it loose. Jesus, he tells his disciples regarding most of the religious leaders of his day. He says, just let them alone. Why? Because they're the blind leading the blind. Sometimes you just got to just let it go. You wish the relationship could be different. You wish you could help the people. You wish they were wanting to partner with the work of God's Spirit in your life. But you just got to let them go. Cut it off. How about Paul? Paul, come on, man, said in 2 Timothy 3.5, he talked about people that have a form of godliness but deny its power. And you know what he said? He said, stay close to those people because maybe in due time they'll believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, in due time they'll believe in spiritual gifts. If they, no, no, no. He said, if they have a form of godliness but deny the power of the resurrection to empower us to witness and to live holy and live victorious, he said, turn away from such people. You got to snip it and you got to turn away. Why? Paul said there's some friendships. You wish those friendships were going in a different direction. You wish the fellowship was leading to mutual encouragement. But he says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. You can get some people that their entire clothes are so defiled by their sin and their lifestyle that the book of Jude says, you got to move away. You got to cut those relationships. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18. He says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Why? Here was two people in the life and ministry of Paul. But they began to move in the wrong direction that they had all been heading. They began to reject practically what living the faith and trusting Jesus looked like practically. They begin to reject living for a good conscience. Paul, he cut it. He delivered them over 
to the enemy. Why? Hoping that in their shipwrecked state, they would repent, turn to the mercy of God, that in the end they would be saved. Paul had to let them go. Commit them into the hand of God. I think about you when I pray for you when I think of God's intent for each of you is that you would hold fast to the living anchor stone Jesus Christ but I want to tell you practically that will not happen practically you will not hold fast to the words that he's spoken into your heart to the words of scripture without you giving getting outside of you some living anchor stones brothers and sisters that will run at the speed that you're running after the things of God that are moving forward intentionally and practically in the ways of the Spirit and the plan of God. Some living anchor stones in this church that live out practically their faith that live with a good conscience that will keep you charged, that will keep you encouraged that will keep breathing the breath of God's Spirit into your heart and mind. It says it's going to be worth it. Remember, remember our exalted living anchor stone Jesus. He's behind your current veil. He's already went beyond this current season. He's beyond, He's already passed through this current lack of understanding. He's already beyond these current questions that you have. He's already beyond this current clouds and storms that's trying to affect your vision. He, oh, He's already beyond it. He's already beyond this current pit. He's already beyond this current snare and plan of the enemy. Can I ask you today, friend, whether you're here today or you're watching by streaming, is Jesus your living anchor stone today? But notice He's a living anchor stone. You know what that means? He moves. He speaks. He directs. The question then for you and I is, are you still following? Are you still listening? Are you still hungering? Thirsty after Him. And then next, who else are living anchor stones in your life? You don't need everyone in this congregation to be a living anchor stone to you, but you need some people who are living anchor stones in your life. And that's why we have the four anchors of gathering and growing and grouping and expressing giving and gifting teams. Why? Because those provide context for you to be able to discern and know who are the living anchor stones for you in this community. How are you going to know it without being in context to get to learn and know people? some of you I want to ask you this question who are you able to be a living anchor stone for in this time in this place in this context in this season who can you be a living anchor stone for that's just walking beside someone else so that any time they need a sounding board you're there Anytime they need encouragement, they need someone to help provide stability to them because their emotions are like the winds of the sea, the waves of the sea in this season. See, the 
the call today is that some people would rise up in this community as living anchor stones in this church that you would rise up as a living anchor stone by the power of the Spirit of God and move this ship forward that you would move this church forward that you would be a living anchor stone that through your life and your connection with others would move this thing forward to move us forward in the plan to see believers and leaders and churches multiply to move this ship forward to see Christ manifested in more ways ways of justice and ways of reconciliation and ways of ministering to the poor and ways of ministering to the single woman and ways of ministering to the police and ways of ministering to the firefighters and ways of ministering to the government officials in this city and moving forward in many ways to many people of manifesting the living anchor stone oh hallelujah see oftentimes we hear the importance of losing weight being healthy but today I want to switch it for you I'm not asking you to lose weight I want you to gain some weight see the Bible talks about the weight of the glory of Christ I want you to gain the weight of the living anchor stone Jesus in your soul I want you to gain the weight of His glory, the weight of His character, the weight of His anointing, the weight of His Word on the inside of you. So some of these little weights that keep pulling your soul and pulling your attention and distracting you all become so little to the weight of the glory of Christ on the inside of you. That you're not pulled backwards or held back by little weights anymore. No, you become because the weight of glory Christ in you a positive weight to move others forward in the plan of God thank you so much for listening to this week's message if you would like more information about our church be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org